Hey everybody, welcome back to Stuff You Don't Need to Know. This is Jay, and as you know, last night, episode 4 of Titans, titled Doom Patrol, came out, so this will be a spoiler-filled look and review of that episode. Uh, you know what? Look, if you uh, listen back to the first uh, the first episode that I talked about Titans, Titans episode 1, I, I really trashed this series, and... But I did, I did say that I was going to stick with this series and really kind of see it through. And I'm really glad that I did decide to do that because this epi- these, these episodes do incrementally get better and better. Um, was this a perfect episode? No, absolutely not. You know, I did find some fault in a few things. Uh, first of all, you know, let's, 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 get, let's get this out of the way. Um, I'm still not a fan of the Beast Boy character, and I'll explain more later. You know, when I when I kind of get into some of the negatives of this episode, um, I think you know after seeing much more Garfield in this episode, you know, did I did I appreciate him a little bit more? Maybe, but you know, I, I still have some pretty big problems with the character, and like I said, we'll get into that. Uh, one of the things that I really did enjoy about this episode, though, is that it introduces us to the Doom Patrol, uh, who will be getting their own series. I believe it's it's sometime next year on DC Universe, and. This was like really a sneak peek of Doom Patrol, and I have to say I am really looking forward to that show because it, it was really great to see this team. If you're not really familiar with the Doom Patrol, I mean they're they they might not be as well known as some of the other DC hero and hero teams out there. Um, I guess really the best way to put it is I really don't want to say that they're that they're a band of misfits. That's that's not really the correct word. I mean they're 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 really kind of more of outcasts if you if you think about it. And especially if you watch the episode and you saw the different members of the Doom Patrol, you can kind of see why they really kind of stay on the fringes of society, why they stay in hiding. Um but again, that's also gonna kind of get into the the problems that I have with Beast Boy. But let's just get right into it. Um, so one of the things though, that, you know, like I said, this, this was a really good introduction to the doom patrol. And again, what I really like about these episodes now is unlike that first episode, unlike that premiere episode, they're not trying to do too much. I mean, this episode really focused on, you know, as we saw at the end of uh, last week's episode, uh, Rachel, uh, kind of let the evil within her, she kind of let it in and, uh, she caused an explosion at the convent. She escaped, uh, you know, she's, she's running, she's, she's scared. And it seems that, you know, Garfield, uh, Beast Boy was kind of tracking her. He catches up to her and he, he decides to help her. Um, you know, we get a scene where the two of them are kind of headed to the place where the Doom Patrol uh, hides out, like this big sort of abandoned mansion. And we get a scene um, where Rachel and Garfield come upon some hunters that have shot a deer. Uh, you know, the deer is wounded. It's dying. Uh, these these two hunters kind of come out. They're, uh, you know, they're having a few uh, kind of commenting on the fact that they might not exactly be within the hunting zone, but they kind of figure who's out here. What's the big deal? Um, I got to give props to Rachel here because, you know, she's really, you know, and the actress that plays her is 14 years old. So she is this 14 year old girl who pretty much runs in front of these two drunken guys with guns to, to try to shield them from the deer. Uh, I mean, the, the, the deer is pretty much mortally wounded, but it's di- it's dying a slow and painful death. But, you know, she, she wants them to go nowhere near it. Um, Garfield comes out, he, he transforms into a tiger, you know, and Rachel knows at this point, you know, she's seen him do it. So it's, it's not a shock to her. Um, 
you know, they kind of trip over each other. The one shoots the other in the shoulder, and you kind of really don't think much of it. Uh, we do see that, you know, what I think was a really nice scene is, you know, Rachel is really struggling here. You know, she knows that she has something evil in her trying to get out. She's doing her best to try to control it. She really feels, though, you know, she's even trying to kind of tell Garfield that, you know, he really shouldn't try to help her because she's going to end up hurting him. You know, but he sees that she actually, you know, she really does have, like, a caring heart. She is a tender person. You know, she she comforts the deer as it's dying, but we see that as they walk away, we see that the wound heals and, and the deer's eyes do open. Now... Did she resurrect the deer, or is this going to be, you know, did she kind of corrupt it with the evil that's within her? Uh, we didn't really get any confirmation later on. I mean, who knows? We'll, we'll see. But, I mean, I, I really did think that that was a good scene between the two of them. <coughs> Sorry about that. Um, I mean, we do get a little bit of jumping around, but it's it's nothing too bad. I mean, we see, you know, Dick and, and Corey teaming up now. You know, they're trying to find Rachel. Um, I'm kind of wondering... I mean, I didn't really see it. You know, they did kind of banter back and forth. They did kind of get into each other's faces a little bit, which, you know, I got to give Dick some credit there. You know, he, he, he kind of knows, I think he, he, he kind of knows the, the level of power that Corey has within her and he's not, he doesn't back down from her at all. But then again, he's, he's Dick Grayson. He's Robin. He's probably faced some of the biggest and baddest criminals out there. So I, I don't think, you know, Starfire is really going to intimidate him too much. Um, and I think Starfire was not ready for somebody to kind of stand up to her too. So what I'm kind of wondering is, I mean, look, it's no big secret in the comics, you know, Dick Grayson and, and uh, Coriander Starfire, you know, we know they have relationships, you know, depending on which version, which iteration, you know, there's different ways that it goes, but that, you know, they pretty much do have a relationship. And I'm wondering if, you know, we're kind of seeing like, because it, it was sort of like that bickering, they're bickering back and forth where you're almost sort of like, you know, am I watching friends here? Is this Ross and Rachel? Are they going to like just suddenly kiss each other? I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, it didn't get that far. Don't get me wrong. It didn't get that far, but I wonder if they are trying to set that up. But it was pretty good to actually kind of see them work together. I mean, yes, they were bickering. They were blaming each other for the fact that Rachel ran away. You know, Corey kind of saying, I thought you could, you know, I thought you, um, you know, I thought you had like, kind of kept her safe. And he's like, well, I could have if you hadn't stole my car. They're kind of going back and forth. And, and here's the thing, here's the thing, uh, you know, and, and I, we've seen this in a couple of episodes. So Dick Grayson is a Detroit police officer. He's showing up all over the country. He's just flashing the badge. He's just like, you know, badge, that's it. Like, not even like trying to be like FBI, Detroit PD, you know, nobody is really questioning this guy. You know, he walks onto crime scenes. He's just like badge, you know, and just keeps going, you know, I, I guess, I don't know. What does that say about law enforcement? <laughs> you know, can I go get a toy badge out there and just walk onto a crime scene, and just flip it real quick? <laughs> badge. Um, you know, I mean, we, we do get it though when he is, you know, they're trying to track um, Rachel down and uh, they go to the local police department. And uh, I thought it was kind of funny that Corey was going to go in there with him. And Dick's like, look, you don't exactly look conspicuous. I mean, she's still in the same fur coat, you know, the kind of starfire-ish dress, uh, the red hair. I mean, he's like, and she's like, you know, I've blended in this long. And it's like, nah, Corey, you really haven't, you know. So uh, she obliges. She stays in the car. Dick does go inside. And then finally we get, you know, a cop going, Detroit, huh? A little uh, out of your jurisdiction there. Yeah, I'm like, finally. 
You know, somebody's not just like, oh, you have a badge. Yeah, it's good enough. Um, but, you know, they, 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 uh, they're trying to track down Rachel. Uh, they're asking about, uh, you know, the event at the convent. And, you know, they learn about uh, a story. Uh, you know, these two hunters, uh, you know, they come across because, you know, he showed the picture of Rachel. He said, yeah, they came across, you know, a kid with purple hair looks kind of looks like that and a green tiger. So, of course... Robin and Starfire go out to check it out. They go to this hunter's house, um, try to ask some questions. The guy's incredibly belligerent. Um, you know, they pretty much force their way in. And again, we get this rage inside Dick Grayson where, you know, he thinks that this guy might have done something to Rachel. You know, he's like, did you hurt her? Did you touch her? And he just starts wailing on her. You know, Starfire kind of lets it go until she kind of notices, yeah, the guy's kid is watching and she, you know, she gets Dick to back off. Um, and he happens to mention, you know, that abandoned mansion. It's kind of, he's like, he's like, there's nobody out there, uh, just the old, and I forget the name of the place, like, you know, the old Anderson place, you know, something like that. You know, it's been abandoned for years. Well, the old Anderson place or whatever it was called, uh, I do forget the name of it. This is the headquarters or the, the secret layer of the Doom Patrol. So who are the Doom Patrol? Well, D- Beast Boy is a member of the Doom Patrol. And what we get in the beginning is we actually kind of get a little bit of, of uh, Garfield Logan, Beast Boy's origin story. Uh, we see that he is in the Congo. Uh, we're going to kind of assume that he's there with his parents. Uh, they don't really say what's going on there, but apparently there is an outbreak of of a horrific virus or disease. Um, Beast Boy later says, or... Uh, the man that saves him, who's known as the chief, they call him the chief, uh, kind of says that it was a very rare virus from a very rare primate. So what we see is, you know, it says you know, two, three years earlier uh, in the Congo, we see, you know, um, I mean, guys, you know, people in hazmat suits, they're bringing bodies in. Eventually, uh, you know, the head doctor, we're going to assume, we can't really tell because they're all in hazmat suits, is basically saying, like, there's nothing more we could do, we got to get out of here, you know, just just leave them. Um, so it's a tent pretty much full of dead bodies, except for Garfield, he's laying there, he's very, very weak. Uh, no sooner do this, this medical team clear out, when we see another guy come in in a hazmat suit, we learn later on that this is the chief, uh, and he he's looking around, he's looking around, uh, Garfield kind of weakly calls out to him, he comes over, he's like, I could help you, and we see he kind of looks Garfield over, and we see what kind of looks like a patch of reptilian skin kind of beginning to spread on um, Garfield's arm there, and we see him take out a vial with a green liquid, so we're going to assume this is how he saved uh, Garfield Logan, a.k.a. Beast Boy. So Beast Boy is a member of the Doom Patrol. We have Robot Man. Robot Man is played by, not just voiced by, he is actually in the suit, Brendan Fraser. And, you know, back in the day, back in his heyday, I was a huge Brendan Fraser fan. I thought he was a, a great actor. Uh, he could be serious. He could be very, very funny. This is a great role for him. Uh, Robot Man, uh, if you don't know Robot Man, uh, I believe his name was Alex Steele. He was a race car driver who was involved in a, you know, a horrific accident. He was near death. The only thing that survived, pretty much the only thing that really survived was his brain. And Beast Boy basically explains that the chief basically put, you know, Alex's brain inside this robot body. So he's, you know, because uh, when Rachel first meets him, she's like, are you a robot? And he's like... Beast Boy's like, no, he's a robot man. And Brendan Fraser's like, ugh. Brendan Fraser, 
uh, as Robot Man is in, he's very sarcastic, but he's also there are some really great scenes with him. You know, uh, we see him. You know, clearly, clearly he cares about Beast Boy. You know, we see he's kind of like a surrogate big brother to him. You know, he gives him a lot of grief. He hassles him. But, you know, kind of in a playful way. And, you know, at the end of the episode, when he kind of tells Beast Boy that he needs to go with uh, the rest of the guys there, pretty much the Titans now, um, you know, we see that he really does care for him. Um, There's also a very, very good scene where... um, you know, in this mansion where the Doom Patrol is hiding out, there's kind of a quiet moment, and uh, Robot Man is looking at sort of pictures on the mantle, kind of like everybody's former life. Like he sees Garfield and his parents, you know, presumably before they, you know, before they died. Um, he sees other members of the Doom Patrol, who I'll get to in a minute. He kind of sees like their former lives, and he sees pictures of his former life. Um, and it's, you know, it's kind of hazy the way the view is shown, but we can see that it's like Brendan Fraser, uh, you know, in a in a fire suit that a that a NASCAR driver would wear, and we can kind of see hazy that he's standing next to a woman next to one of his race cars um and even though listen even though it's it's a robot suit you know uh there there's no expressions on the face you could just see in his body language just the emotions that he's going through you know sort of like looking at everybody else's past lives uh you know beast boy uh there's also elastigirl there is also negative man you know kind of feeling very sorry for them that their their former lives are gone you know he's looking at his former life and and again you know there's no facial expressions it's a robot but you know you could just see it in the body language and, and the way they framed the shot and the music that they played it's actually very good and like i said you know I'm really glad I stuck at stuck it out with this series because I really do think it's getting better and better uh other members of the Doom Patrol uh we are introduced to Larry aka negative man we find out that he was a test pilot who was exposed to some dark negative energy um he's bandaged up he kind of looks like the classic invisible man and when rachel sees him that's what she says she's like are you invisible under there and he's like he's like uh you'd like to think so it's really not that good you know uh if you see it in the comics he's basically <clears throat> composed of dark energy almost kind of looks like the way sunspot did in the um new mutants in a way but um he's pretty much wrapped up uh looks like the old invisible man i said um you know he's he's kind of he's very high spirited you know he is uh the chef there the doom patrol we see him just cooking up a storm i mean there's really not that many members he is cooking up a ton of food but we're gonna find out why in a few minutes when i introduce the next character um like I said, you know, he's got a few one-liners here and there, but he's not like the goofy kind of comic relief. Um, you know, he he, he kind of makes some very keen observations. He does make them in a funny way. He's kind of like, he's kind of, he's kind of like, I don't want to say he's like the life of the party. What's, uh, what's the word I'm really looking for here? I mean, he really tries to keep their spirits up, you know, um, the Doom Patrol. Uh, next up is Elastigirl. She's also known as Elongated Girl. We find out that uh, her name is Rita. She was a former, it looks like she was a former Hollywood starlet. Like, it kind of looks like from maybe the 50s, the 40s, the 50s. Uh, reading up on her also, she was an Olympic-level athlete. She was exposed to a gas that basically made her molecules unstable. And when we're introduced to her, 
you know, we see that uh, Beast Boy goes upstairs to kind of call her for dinner. He like he knocks on the door. He's like, you know, Rita, please come down for dinner if you can. But if you can't, that's okay. You know, we'll bring you up food later. You know, we see that there's a, a tray of um, eaten food, you know, or uh, dirty dishes outside of her door. Um, he goes back downstairs. They kind of go into the room, and we basically just see like a mass of basically flesh there on the bed because basically her molecules are are unstable um you know so when you hear the name elastigirl you kind of think like a plastic man like oh she could stretch out and this and that no basically she can kind of rearrange the mass and the molecules in her body but it obviously causes a great strain because you know we see that when they're all sitting down to dinner rachel uh, robot man negative man beast boy she does come down and she's dressed to the nines you know in sort of like that classic hollywood style um she kind of has an like i don't know the name of women's haircuts but it's kind of like that I don't know if it's a page boy, whatever, but basically she looks like, like a 1950s, like Hollywood starlet, like that classic beauty, kind of that short, I think it's called a page boy haircut. I don't know. Um, you know, and she's very like, Oh, charmed to see you. You know, she's very gracious and she is piling a ton of food upon her plate, you know, about five spoonfuls of spaghetti, four or five waffles, a couple of pieces of fried chicken. And she basically explains that her condition requires her to consume a mass amount of, uh, of calories because it probably takes a lot. It probably takes her a lot of energy to hold herself together because she begins to eat and then she sees her hands tremble and we see her face kind of just start to, it looks like it's melting off. Uh, you know, and again, you know, Rachel, basically, you know, she's, Rita's hiding it, you know, she's mortified, she's, I shouldn't have come down, you know, I don't have the strength, and Rachel basically, you know, holds her hand, tells her that it's all right, I'm not scared of you, you're going to be fine, and, and Rita kind of gets it together. Um, yeah, I mean, the the chemistry that, you know, the, the members of the Doom Patrol had together, I really think it's going to be a great show. Of course, we have their leader, their mentor, the guy that really tried to save each and every one of them. They call him the chief. Uh, he is a scientist. He probably could also be classified as a mad scientist. I mean, clearly he's very intelligent, but he pushes the fringes of science. Uh, he, he basically states that he does work, that he knows, that he is convinced that can help mankind, can save thousands upon millions of lives. He's like, but conventional science doesn't like it, you know. It, this is this is not conventional science. Like he he definitely thinks outside the box. He works outside the box. He crushes that box and he makes a pentagon and he just does whatever. Um, you know, we're kind of introduced to the fact that he found a young girl that was exposed to liquid nitrogen. He gives her his serum. Uh, I do not know if she's going to go on to become because that's really kind of it. Like we see her. You know, uh, we see him administer the serum. Uh, every member of the Doom Patrol is there. Uh, her body temperature is going out of control. She's actually trying to lower the temperature of the room. Of course, Rachel comes in, tells her everything's okay, puts her hands upon her, and everything stabilizes. Um, Chief is convinced. He is convinced that he could help Rachel. Um, Rachel kind of does want the help really until she's strapped down to a table she kind of realizes this really isn't a good idea and he she asks him to let her go and he's like no he's you know he he i don't want to say he appeared to be like a kindly old man i mean he definitely seemed like a, a good man but he's so 
he's so convinced that he could help like like his convictions are so strong you know that he'll basically even if somebody suddenly says like look look i don't want your help i'm scared he's like no you're you're getting it like i'm i'm giving you my serum i'm going to help you almost to the point like he's trying to prove that his formula or his brand of science really really works uh beast boy is there beast boy tries to stop him um and that's the thing is you know we see chief really kind of look at him and go you know i'm the one that saved you if it wasn't for me, you would be dead. Now, now you will do what I say. You know, he he's not kind of like, you know, Garfield. Look, I'm I'm trying to help her. Please, you have to understand. He's sort of like, I saved your life. You owe me. Now, shut up and do what I say. Uh, of course, you know, Rachel's powers manifest. Uh, she, she manages to free herself. Um, we find out that the chief uh, apparently he's had his back broken a few times because uh you know this dark energy comes out it almost looks like a portal starts to open and again you know we talked about the fact and it's been mentioned a few times that rachel raven in this series uh she's sort of known as like the bringer of the apocalypse uh you know her father is looking for her this and that and we know from the comics that raven's father is trigon and that she's basically sort of the vessel or the gateway to bring trigon into this realm to earth and in the last episode when we saw that uh sort of strange 1950s chemically enhanced family and the mad scientist behind them he basically wants that so you know we know that this is what's happening and it almost sort of looked like because it, it was like a lot of dark energy swirling around it looked like a portal was starting to form but robin and starfire show up uh they pretty much calm rachel down uh and they're like look we gotta leave and this is where we get the part where robot man pretty much tells you know garfield he's like you know go with them he said look you can't hide here with us anymore you know you need you're a kid you're a kid you need to go out there you need to have a life um you know the the rest of the members he's like yeah he's like what about you guys what about the chief he's like we'll take care of the chief don't worry about it you know go you know go out there and have a life basically now here's my problem with beast boy um in the comics, Beast Boy was a member of the Doom Patrol. Um, and in the comics, he totally fits in with the Doom Patrol because, again, the green skin, the elfish kind of ears, the the slight fangs that he does have. I mean, he does have an appearance that basically would not allow him to walk around in society. On Titans, Garfield Logan, Beast Boy, is a kid with green hair. And they even kind of point that out that, you know, you you attract too much attention. You have green hair have you been out there have you seen kids and young adults everybody's hair is colored uh you know that's one of the things was when they're looking for rachel uh the cop tells dick grayson he's like oh yeah they saw a girl in the woods with purple hair like this you know they're not like oh my god there's a girl there's a girl with purple hair out there i mean this is something that we see so seeing a kid walk around with green hair whatever i mean not for nothing i kind of see that every day you know green hair purple hair red hair you know it's like whatever you know i mean i think you know the only thing i think you know what they're trying to maybe say is the fact that yes he can transform well actually here's the interesting thing you know it's a little bit of a difference you know uh in the comics beast boy, beast boy can transform into any animal here apparently he can only transform into a tiger uh, I had said in the season opener, the premiere episode, when we get that very brief introduction to Beast Boy, when he's stealing video games as a tiger, 
you know, I was sort of made the comment, you can transform into any animal, you're going to break into a Best Buy as a tiger and st- like, why not slither in as a snake and then transform into a, a primate and, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know why a tiger, but apparently that's all he can transform into. Um, because clearly, I guess clearly what they're trying to say is he hasn't really realized his full powers, his potential just yet. Uh, he kind of says that it's like a psychological thing. You know, they think that that's sort of like, I guess the best way to, they don't say this, but the best way to sort of put it is that perhaps the tiger is, is his spirit animal. Like, you know, that's, that's when he transforms, you know, something inside of him just triggers it. And and it's only going to be a tiger for now, because I'm sure later on we're going to see, I mean, he's beast boy. Uh, he's not tiger boy, he's beast boy. So I think he will later on the series kind of develop that. But again, you know, like, like, like I said, uh, you know, throughout my talks about the show Titans, the thing about Beast Boy is, is, is Beast Boy pretty much is incredibly powerful. He can transform into any animal out there. But at the end of the day, when he reverts back to his regular self, he has a freakish appearance. And, you know, it, it's why he uses humor as, as a defense mechanism. You know, it's why his personality is the way it is. And it's why he's actually, on the surface, he looks like goofy comic relief, but he's actually a very deep character. I'm not really. I I just don't get that with this version of Beast Boy. I mean, it was nice to see his origin. It was nice to see a little more of him. The actor that plays him, you know, does a very good job. Um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where it goes. You know what? Look, I I bagged on the first episode of the of of Titans, and I I've been watching it ever since. It's it's getting better. Uh, and like I said, I think the big takeaway from this episode really was. Um, they didn't really advance the story too much, which was okay, because we got to meet Beast Boy, uh, we got to see a little bit more about him, and we got a very nice introduction to Doom Patrol. I mean, this was a great commercial, basically, for the upcoming Doom Patrol show, because I'm definitely going to watch it. I, I think that is going to be a great show. Uh, they look like a great team. And again, Brendan Fraser is Robot Man. I think he I think he really nailed it, and it looks really, really good. All right, guys. Again www.brothersinarmchairs.com that website will link you to all the podcasts within the Brothers in Armchairs of course your favorite stuff you don't need to know uh, Nerd and Me Enter the Nerd Zone Fat Guys in Little Coats and Defender of the Realm this is Jay and I'll talk to you later <laughs>